1993, Final Approach changed the way we hunt waterfowl. Now, over 25 years later, we're back at it. My name's Mario, host of the FA Podcast. Let's talk waterfowl tips, tricks, tactics, and more. It's all going down right here with the Final Approach Podcast. All right, folks, we're talking to uh, Pat Godden, who is um, probably, I know you're, you're a humble guy, so I'll, I'll, I'll ease into it, but has anyone won more carving championships than you on record? Um, yeah, well, uh, well, that's a, it's probably a difficult question to answer, uh, I know I know the record on world championship titles, um, right, right? And that's kind of the ultimate uh, goal, I think, for any carver to win a world championship. And I've won uh, 17 world championship titles beginning in 1976, and the most recent one was the last show that they actually had because of COVID. Right, uh, right. We had three shows canceled, but 2019, yep. I won my 17th world championship title then. And uh, there is one one carver who has also 17 titles. Oh, Larry Barth, who carves uh, he carves a you know, quite a variety of decorative birds. Oh. He doesn't carve decoys, but yeah, Larry is uh, one of the, the people I respect tremendously in the field. I'll tell you that. So uh, did did Larry get into? carving about the same time as you and is he still going yeah yeah absolutely we're gotcha. we're you know close to the same age and he was carving when he was very young um so yeah yeah absolutely he's uh he's my generation and uh that's cool quite a an incredibly talented and creative artistic <laughs> carver um so let like me say uh, let me ask you this so out of out of the 17 wins, right, is there – did you carve the same bird in any of the championships or they have all been different birds, different species, let's call well, it? Well, that's, that's an interesting question because um, actually I've won world championship titles in um, three world categories with black ducks. Ah, and that includes the the, the world uh, decorative life size category, which is probably one of the more difficult ones to win, and yes. probably the one of the more prestigious ones. In 1982, I won the uh, world championship with a pair of black ducks in full body black ducks with uh, in composition with a muskrat, <laughs> and that's that's one of my you know uh, <laughs> really. Uh, in my mind, my one of my more significant achievements, that one for sure. And then in 1980, I won the World uh, Decorative Decoy Pair competition with a pair of black ducks. And um, it, the interesting thing is that uh, the hen actually had a, a dragonfly nymph in her bill. So in, oh. you might think, well, there's a... There's a third subject there with the dragonfly nymph. The <laughs> right. rock ducks had the muskrat with it. And the third category one was the world championship shooting rig 
category in um I'm trying to think of the year I can't remember it was in the uh it might have been nineteen ninety nine or early two thousands and that that pair of black ducks it, you have to have three subjects that's right in that's the composition right a three bird shooting rig the third subject in that one was uh, was a, a black duck mallard hybrid oh <laughs> so a pair a pair of black ducks and with a uh, black duck mallard hybrid which was at the time uh i can't remember anyone ever have carved a hybrid right for right. that so that was another unique thing that uh helped me win that well that championship well and and so did the muskrat uh, count as another subject in that carving? Uh, yes, it did. Um, but, you know, it was, it wasn't required to have three it subjects. Was, right, I got you. Okay. But, but it, you know, if you include that, something like that oh, yeah. in the composition, it's going to be judged just as critically as everything else. Right. The birds. Right. Yes. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So you got to, you, you got to make sure. You know, I could choose to have not added right. it, but <laughs> I I guess I uh, decided the composition that I had in mind required the, the muskrat. Um, so black ducks are world, like your thing. The, 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 what's that again? I said the black ducks are like, that's the, the ace for you when you go and do them because it seems like every time oh. you go and do some black ducks, like good things happen at, at the championships. I <laughs> I have won a lot of other best of show awards in in the world championship and also in a lot of other competitions with uh, black ducks and and that that black duck I'll tell you uh, when I was a a young person like 15 16 years old when I started hunting ducks the black ducks it it, it was like a it was like a trophy we hunted on the right. local river here right and late late in the season, the black ducks would come onto the river. And the black ducks were really a uh, uh, when when you when you uh, harvested a black duck, that was that was like a trophy. It, it was. Uh, That's cool. Uh, you know, we'd shoot mallards and all kinds of other things, but boy, when we got that those black ducks, that was uh, it was so neat. Well, and it's a tricky um, bird to paint. I mean, everybody thinks like black duck, you know, piece of cake to paint. You know, it's just black. The whole like there are so many hues and highlights and you know different yes. different things that go into that bird that and and you know listen it it could be a thing as well where it's like you know I'm not I'm not tackling a black duck because it's way harder than people think like it's not you know, it's not just, let's say, a bluebill where, and I'm not saying a bluebill's easy, but, you know, you go your white, your black, your vermiculation, you do some highlights, and you do some iridescent on the head, whichever whichever species of, of bluebill it is, a greater or lesser, and then, you know, but a black duck, you know, you would think, oh, not so hard, way harder than people think. Yeah, well, if you're making a, just a straight hunting decoy, like some people make these hunting decoys out of cork, and they sure. they uh, torch the cork and burn it, and right. it turns real dull black, and it looks beautiful. And then they put a you know a, a nice head with a you know simple paint job. Well, sure. you can you can do them real simple, and they're they're just incredibly effective as a hunting decoy. Right. But in these competitions, if you want to kick it up to another level, to uh, oh yeah. 
to compete. You got to put a lot. You got to put a lot into a black duck. There's, uh, there's no doubt. You know, it's funny. You, know, you think it's just kind of a dark brownish black, but right. I'll put little hints of violets and greens in those feathers that um, make make those colors more interesting. There's no doubt. In other words, it's just not a, a monotone color through the bird. There's right. something there that people that are looking at it might not realize what it is that makes the surface looks so nice yes to make it pop but yep. i'm putting things in that are subtle that make um you know some of their somebody's mind looking at it there's something really interesting there there's no doubt and uh so it's at a you know it's at a a level of all the years that i've spent learning how to paint and creating different effects of uh, lighting effects and translucence of feathers um, with the paint, um, you, you, re you reach that higher level of, um, you might say, accomplishment when you're finished with a bird that, uh, and you know, if you're competing at the, the, highest the high level, level right. like I have done since, well, I won my first world championship in 76, so I've been competing at the highest level since, since. then. Um the interesting thing about the black ducks in the um, the, the world pair of black ducks that I won in 1980 with the uh, dragonfly nymph, that that pair of birds was influenced by the um, the research I had done the few years before that when I was working on my master science degree, um, and I did an ecological study on a series of wetlands for with mallards and. The, the one thing in uh, in the spring, the, uh, when the the hens of this happens with virtually all species, they they eat um, in their diet higher proportions of high protein foods in order to um, produce the eggs, right. which requires a higher protein. So they uh, and they've done a lot a lot of research, a uh, waterfowl biologists, on what the diet is for in the spring for hens and they eat large amounts of invertebrate uh aquatic invertebrate uh, insects uh, in their diet and other other invertebrates as well but there's high protein there and that's sure. what they feed heavily on so so that's where the theme came for to include the dragonfly nymph right is uh, the wetlands that i was taking insect samples from um, had large numbers of dragonfly nymphs, and um, I thought it was a just a really interesting looking critter. Uh, that that nymph is just a really really neat looking little thing. Well, and if if you if you didn't know uh, the research part, like you're talking about, like if you didn't know the research part of you doing all that and and finding out, okay you know, the, the mallards are eating this, you know, this type of food at a certain time, you know, there's way more, uh, intellectual, uh, properties that go into having that in the carving than just going, Oh, it would be cool to put like a dragonfly nymph in, in this. You know what I mean? Like you weren't, you were thinking yeah. way, way past that. And, and yeah. I, you know, I don't know, maybe the judges, knew that maybe they didn't i don't know you know because they don't it's not like they could ask you questions when you're when you're no. right so it's like they, they either can. knew or they didn't know you know from from research which is 
you know that's pretty yeah. deep i mean a lot of guys aren't aren't going that deep into a carving or thinking about stuff like that that is you know a hundred percent you know deep dive detail on that so i well i've i've always been um uh very attentive to having my work reflect nature uh very accurately in other words i i don't only study the bird i study the bird in incredible detail and, and i'm working on a rough gross right now and there's <laughs> i've i've awesome, i've bro. had rough gross in my hands for decades but there's things that i'm finding out now because i'm studying the wing structure and the oh yeah and so i i'm looking at all that but in addition to that um all all the things that are related to that bird in nature this gross is in flight through us oh gotcha um, a branch of a of an aspen tree so i've got photographs and samples of these aspen trees to get oh, yeah. everything accurate and, oh, yeah. and create a, a, a real good representation of nature where that bird lives. Oh, that's awesome. We, I mean, listen, we're talking to Pat Godden, who's a, a world championship carver. You know him through all the FA birds. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But Pat, talking about the rough grouse, like I, I hunted those since I was a kid, like all through Pennsylvania and all the brush and all the the wooded areas and you know the thing the thing that we learned is you know as we depending on the weather if the weather was a little bit cooler or starting to get cooler you would you would get to a certain point walking through the woods and I remember my dad telling me you know like make sure you're looking at the ground and seeing what's going on and seeing what kind of food is available because we would get into these patches of tea berries they're called and it's mm -hmm. like a little red berry and you could eat them, and it tastes like a mint, like a berry, but with mint. And when we would hit these little tea berry patches, there was no doubt the grouse were in there, and and you yeah. would just be ready. And and yeah. they would just and I don't know where that bush is found many places, but I know in Pennsylvania when, like I said, when we would walk through. It would it would be an automatic like you knew you were close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, see, you're you're not a, a biologist, but you are thinking like a biologist. <laughs> I was trying you're, to. You're, you're looking at well, okay. What's this? Where's this bird living, and why is he living here? Well, this bird's living there because that's where his food source is. That's right. And um, and I I know you know when when I've I've hunted growth for decades with bird dogs and. Um, we're always looking for those areas that have the the good food sources. Yep. Same same with woodcock. Uh, oh, you're yeah. not going to hunt woodcock up in high dry land. No, nope. no. Nope. You're down in the low areas where it's wet, where and that's where their food is. Yep. Same same thing with us. We would we we would go through and listen. This is also this is also coming from a kid who you know when we took the grouse home and cleaned it. You know I was going through his throat and into his stomach to see what they were eating, and they would be full of tea berries. So, cause I wanted to find out for myself and, and then like you said, like the same area that we walked for grouse, like if we all of a sudden hit like some swampy, you know, area, then you knew like grouse was off the table and woodcock was on. So you had to be ready. So, I mean, same thing you have to, you know, 
and that's you know listen i'm no biologist i'm no scientist i'm just i was just paying attention to my surroundings as a hunter to figure out what was going on yeah 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 and you know you can you, you can tie that to waterfowl too um when i i hunted in north dakota several years and uh we uh the, the fellow i hunted with was very knowledgeable about the area and he he knew some of the sloughs where uh, he he could predict very reliably that there were going to be canvasbacks there. Yeah, it was because of the type of, of food there. It was a sago pondweed. Yep. which is a, a preferred food for uh, canvasbacks. Yep. and also by the way, um, tundra swans, which we were hunting at the same time, um, tundra swans and canvasbacks in those same sloughs, um, and uh, so. So we were we were hunting specifically those birds in those sloughs because we knew that the food source that they ate, you know, a slough a mile away, probably wouldn't have that same right. um, composition of food for those particular birds. So, um, so they, we were keen in on those particular sloughs uh, to hunt those birds because we knew that was where their food source was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it comes down to anything that you're chasing. I mean, they, you know, whatever critter it is, you know, it always comes back to a, a food source or a, yeah. you know, hiding place, a resting place. Uh, you yeah. know, there's always there's always something that that is involved in it. Um, let's go. So so we're talking about the mallards, and I don't, you know, people just view you as, you know, a championship carver, which, you know, without a doubt is, you know, a very high honor but you know the amount of information and the degrees that you have from school on studying mallards specifically is you know mind-blowing and I don't think a lot of people know that we 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 hopefully are going to hunt this fall together and get all the carvers and everybody together. And I definitely want to do some stuff on the mallard stuff with you because I remember we hunted a few years ago and, uh, we shot a hen, which looked like an eclipse Drake. And it was like, you know, half and half and we couldn't figure it out. And you were like, Oh, this is an old hen because now she's, you know, losing her estrogen and she's so old that she's starting to turn into a male <laughs> and we yeah. were just blown away, you know, yeah. about that because it was later in the season. So there was no reason for that bird to be, you know, a late hatch, let's call it, or, you know, anything like that, or, you know, everybody's, you know, jumps at the chance to say, Oh, it's a hybrid. So, you know, having, yeah. having you there, explain that was pretty cool no doubt yeah 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 and i actually made a carving uh based on that color scheme of that uh that that old mallard hen that that's a phenomenon that happens in the other birds too i've heard people talk about uh pheasants having pheasants oh. that uh a, a hen a hen pheasant will uh at sometimes some some individuals at some point in their life they start to develop drake plumage or the 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 cockbird plumage so right um yeah so this is uh not something unique to waterfowl but it um it definitely happens uh with with waterfowl species as well right 
So if 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 you if everybody out there that's listening is familiar with obviously the final approach birds, Pat has done all our mallards. Uh, he's done the black ducks. He has done the full body mallards. Uh, last year you saw the early season mallards, which was Pat, Pat's paint job, which is you know as close as close as I could get the factory to get to your paint job. I think we did a really really good job on it. And the buzz this year now is is the wood ducks and everybody is you know we we have the like we had the samples the the production samples that were done they're they're on their way over here they should be here in a little bit and everybody that saw them was just absolutely blown away and and it's you know like i said you guys carve the most incredible birds and and the tough part is trying to make the paint and the paint scheme you know, catch up to the carving and we're doing a pretty good job of that. I, I think I'm, you know, everybody that's, that's in this is, is working as hard as they can to, to do that. So the wood ducks are just blowing people's minds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's another bird I hunt a lot here. Um, and I, I know they're new and I don't have any of them yet. So oh, it's <laughs> I have to get some for this hunting season yep, coming up coming. in September. <laughs> The same thing with those uh, early season mallards, because you know uh, uh, when the season opens here, at least um, even the the more ma- the mature drake mallards don't don't look like what we expect right. because they've all got their brown plumage mixed in with the uh, uh, the, star- the the right. new drake plumage that's starting to emerge through it, um, but. Um, well, and, and, it's, and it's good. It goes back to, you know, let's just say as a hunter, right? You know, like what's in your area? What What's in your area the time of the year? So, I mean, the reason is like, why do you make early season mallards? Why do you do this? Why do you do that? Well, listen, if if you have all brand new shiny Drake mallards in your, you know, decoy rig and all of a sudden the birds pitch in and obviously it's early in the season, but it, it doesn't look natural to have all those especially if you're hunting a place where like you said the birds are just starting to color up it's early season there is a lot of brown ducks you know so so i'm always to the to the point where yeah everything there's a tool in your toolbox for a reason like you're not going to use a screwdriver when you need a hammer so it's like why would you put out fully plumed drakes when you're shooting a lot of mixed brown ducks you know what i mean so i've always been on that you know, no matter what it is either, you know what I mean? Whatever, what species or whatever is going on, you're always trying to be as natural as, you know, your, your hunting spot. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, um, you know, if you're hunting uneducated ducks, you can decoy them in with a a pretty uh, mediocre quality decoy, but, um, you start getting more educated ducks. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta start putting more realistic high quality decoys out there yeah you got to step um, your game up and and you know the other the other thing that for me it's the aesthetics of the hunt to have you know spend time setting the decoys out making them look natural but then when you look at them and you say to yourself man those they look like live birds on the water yeah and it, you know there's some satisfaction when you're hunting to look out there and think that you know, you've you've really 
you might say, duplicated the look of a natural flock of mallards or whatever. Um, so to me, that's that's a big part of it too. Um, the aesthetics, uh, having having high quality. It's like anything else. You know, people like to hunt with a high quality gun. Well, sure. You want to hunt with a high quality decoy too. Well, and all the all the head positions. You know, we 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 are working on some more. We we have a bunch in our you know twelve packs and stuff. Just so you know, when you when you do put out a dozen or you do put out a couple dozen, no matter which ones they are you know, there's a lot of different head positions. So as the birds circle or work or do whatever, you know, that makes a difference. It looks like a realistic flock doing a lot of stuff on the water. You know what I mean? Just yeah, movements and positions. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it adds, it adds that, that animation, not just within one bird, but within right. the whole flock. That's right. I think that's a, I think that's a huge thing. I've always, I've always been on that as well you know, uh, you know, mixing in, you know, everything and, 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 and even different species when, when you get down to, okay, there's, there's multiple species in your area. I mean, and that's why we, you know, like when we went to, uh, Tom Christie and had Tom do the widgeon and the pintails and, and Wayne doing the teal and, and Jamie doing a bunch of, of the geese and, and the spoonie and stuff like that. Like I made sure we talked about like having different positions on everything. So when you put them all out, they're not the same positions in even the same species or different species. So, you know, we wanted to cover a lot of bases. And, you know, if somebody puts out a dozen of everything we got, it looks so different and so wild yeah. Uh, yeah. and natural. You know, that's what we were kind of shooting for in, in all this, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you... Uh... Uh, you could, uh, when, when you're looking at a, a flock of live birds on the water, you know, there's, there's some that are relaxed, might even be sleeping. And you get others that are feeding, just dipping their bill in the water. Others yep. are, um, maybe a little bit more alert. It's just, um, you know, you just see that in, in wild birds. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's a natural setting and that's what, that's what we're always, that's what we're always shooting for. You know what I mean? As, as a hunter. And then, you know, listen, it's, it's, it's nice to sit there and look out and see all those positions too. And it just looks, it just looks awesome. You know, when you're sitting there looking at everything. So I, I take a lot of pride and joy in, in, in doing that as well. Like, like you do once everything's out and you're just like, man, that, that it really does look natural. It really does look good. And we're, you know, and if we shoot a couple birds, that's even better. So you know, there's a lot that goes into it instead of just chucking everything out and, you know, well, we're going to start killing stuff. So, yeah. 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 Um, so are, do you think the world championships, it's going to be on in the spring again? Uh, are they, have they talked about or, or where do you guys sit? I know it's so unpredictable. Yeah. We were last fall when I was down in Maryland and talked to them. They were pretty confident that they were going to be able to run the show this last spring. And right. as it turned out, uh, right. that one variant of the COVID oh, yeah. hit and they had to change their mind. But I think things at this point in time, I think things are a lot different. Yeah. Um, so I kind of think that um, I'm, 
I'm pretty confident they'll be able to run the show this next spring. Good. And uh, it, a lot, a lot of a lot has changed also in, in regard to travel restrictions. Correct. Everything has um, kind of loosened yeah, a little bit. Yeah, everything. A yeah. lot of things have opened up a yeah. lot more. La- even last spring, things were still a little tighter as they far were. as crossing the borders and stuff like that. You're, you're right. They were. We're looking at a world championship competition where we have competitors coming from, you know, a yep. lot of different areas yep. in the world yep. for that show. Um, probably the majority, you know, U.S. and Canadian competitors, yes. but still there, there are a lot of other individuals that show up. So, um, so tell me this, what, um, I know you were, you're working on stuff, you were working on stuff and did a bunch of stuff down in Maryland at the museum. And then, um, you, you have a book as well. Like, give me some updates on what's going on so people can go find some stuff. And listen, whether you're a carver or you just are into anything waterfowl, this is a treat to go and take a look at it. Yeah. And, and go ahead. Yeah, there's, um, I, I've been working on a book for about probably four years or more. <laughs> and uh, it was originally scheduled to be released in October this year, but um, we had a couple things we had to deal with and so it's going to be a little bit later and i, I don't have a firm date on when it's going to be available well that's okay you just let me know and we'll we'll put it out there yeah but what yeah, the, what's this, the book this on this particular book will feature my waterfowl carvings and that's another thing we we've decided with uh, talking with the editor we're going to do two books one will be featuring my waterfowl carvings going back into the 70s nice all the way up to the current times, and my second book will feature my other decorative birds, which include a lot of the grouse species and oh, yeah. some of the predatory birds, uh, hawks and owls and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. So that'll be that'll be later. It'll be a second publication coming out later. But um, and then the uh, the War Museum. Yep. Uh, down in in Salisbury, Maryland, the the that's the organization that runs the World Championship. Um, we're planning a a one man show of my work beginning in January through till May. Oh, cool! Um, so uh, we're gathering a lot of my work and and having it down there for that uh, well, probably almost six month period, and that'll overlap with the World Championship, which will oh, be great be because awesome. anyone attending the world show can go see that yeah uh, they'll have an opportunity to, to look at it uh that exhibition oh that'll be so, incredible uh, this is kind of a you know it's, it's a it's a big opportunity it's for a big me deal. to gather yes. pieces that have been around for, for a while and then more current pieces um so it's going to cover the, the full spectrum of my work going back a long long time that's pretty cool that that's going to be an yeah. incredible incredible thing and usually usually the world's is in april sometime is that correct do they usually yeah. the last uh, the last full weekend in april oh, yep. now i'm thinking this year for some reason they moved it one week earlier mm, and gotcha. I can't tell you exactly, but yeah, we'll have to keep an eye on that and let people know yes. like when that's happening. Because yes. even if you're remotely yes. close to it, it's something to see if you've never been there. It's incredible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So um, that's been 
that's been the time frame from the end of April for forever, really. Right, right. Uh, that's been taking up your time, which is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah. get it. Well, I first attended in 1975, and I missed 1979 because I was completing my master's degree, and I had a lot of stuff to do with that. Sure. And other than these COVID years, I have never missed a year. Right, but, so 79 was the only miss. That's correct. Wow. That's correct. So wow. it was a an, an annual tradition for me to go down there, and I'll, t- I'll tell you what, the work is, is so spectacular that um, um, I... Even though, you know, I, I I would go every year, I would always just look forward to seeing what people were going to bring sure, there. Sure, sure. You never you know, know what you're going to see. Even though I had been exposed to it so much. So somebody that has never seen it before, it's just mind-blowing yes. to see the work. Yes, yes. If you have any passion at all for birds and carving, it's just uh, it's something to see. incredibly inspirational. Yep. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to uh, hopefully they have it. And then we'll be looking for the book. All you got to do is get me some information when it when the first one's out, then the second one, and we'll make sure we yeah. let people know. And then if they wanna yeah. if they wanna find you on your website, um, yes, yes, my my website. Um, and it, it, there's a lot of uh, nice photography of my work on there. Yes, there too. is, uh, and and that's. Uh, Godin Art, my last name Art dot com, G O D I N A R T dot com, and and then there's also a link to my Facebook page where I have um, postings where I I do um, sometimes little instructional things or oh yeah maybe a I saw bunch of pictures showing my work yeah. uh, recent work. Yep, I saw like something uh, about a spoonie that you were. I just saw something. Yes. Yeah, yesterday I saw something. So yeah, yeah there's a I lot just going put on. That up yesterday. Yeah. That's cool stuff. And Pat, listen, Pat does commission birds. If you ever, if you're in the market for something that you want, something incredible, carved and done for your mantle or in your house or whatever, um, you know, all of all of the guys that you know that we deal with, you and Tom Christie and Wayne Simkin and Jamie Welsh, like all you guys do commission birds as well. And and you know, if somebody wants something specific or cool, like you can't go wrong with any of the guys. And and they're very busy, but you just got to get in line if you want something. It's 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 definitely something that you'll keep um, yeah. and pass on, you know. Yeah, yeah. People people will wait a while to get something, but I'll tell you, I always tell them it's, it'll be well worth the wait. That's right. That's right. Uh, There's you no know, doubt. they'll be uh, they'll be happy with uh, whatever whatever they end up commissioning or the kind of bird that they really like. No, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Well, good. Listen, we covered we covered a bunch of stuff. We'll send people over to the website. Keep us up to date on the books, and hopefully, we get out in the woods this uh, this fall and do some hunting over your yeah. birds. <laughs> okay, that sounds fantastic, Mario. Awesome, Pat. Good talking with you. Hey, appreciate it. Hey, have a great uh, have a great uh, week, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Okay. Thanks thank you very much. Thanks, Pat. Talk to you later. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Pat Godden, probably one of the most um, humble gentleman in the world, super intelligent, super talented, super creative, and just mind blowing nice and just, just as cool as it gets. 
and a hunter, a carver, an angler, an all-around sportsman who just cares about the um, the resources, the birds. Uh, just a fantastic, uh, influential guy in this in this industry, and we're so happy that he gets to. Well, that that we get to have him do stuff for us. We're just man. It's just a dream come true to have a guy like that carving birds uh, to put in final approach in the whole um, the whole lineup. It's just nuts. It's mind blowing as a kid to uh, growing up and watching all these carvers, and now you know having Pat and Tom Christie and Jamie and Wayne. It just is mind boggling. So we're gonna try to get all the carvers on at some point and chit chat with them. But that was Pat Godden. Hope you enjoyed it. You can go check him out at godnart.com. Uh, or hit us up on our website at fabrand.com if you want to see Pat's birds, uh, you know, made into plastics and then painted. We uh, we work pretty hard to make sure that Pat's happy with everything when he when he sees them when they run off production lines. So appreciate you listening to the uh, podcast today. Uh, shout outs to our great partners and everybody that helps us out. Uh, Federal Ammunition, uh, the guys over at Weatherby, as well as uh, Roger Sporting Goods and loophole and of course my buddy up in uh saskatchewan my buddy tyler at saskatchewan goose company so big shout out to all those guys for everybody partnering up and helping us and 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 doing this stuff together all right hit us up on our social pages or anything else you can come get us uh if you have any questions or anything we will get back to you as soon as we can all right that's the fa podcast for today i'm mario i'm out